Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And welcome to Draft Month. It is here, April 1st. Uh, we don't do April Fools anymore. We do Draft Month. I'm very excited. We've been building up for this. We still have a lot of work to get done as far as draft profiles. But this is it, man. This is the month where we uh, we we make our money. Um, we got the draft later this month where we're, I'm going to be in New York. We're going to be streaming. We're going to do live streams every week, draft breakdowns. But this is the most fun is the draft episodes on Talking Giants. Justin, how are you doing, my man? Bobby freaking Skinner. For the Patreon people, there are 28 days. Jabril Wilson number of days until draft day. And for everybody listening on Friday, there is 27 Brandon Jacobs number of days left until the first night of the NFL draft. This is really exciting. This is the first year that uh, um, Bobby and I were both full-time, both attacking this. And I was just saying to Bobby before we before we hopped on, I mean, last year we would record these episodes, I'd be overwhelmed, and you know we would have dense conversations on 12 players, and then I would wake up at 5 a.m. and go to work the next day. But no, we're both living the dream. We're both working really hard this month to... Talk about a lot of a lot of football players, do a lot of film breakdowns on talking football. I'm really excited for what the Giants are gonna do with their draft picks. Bobby Skinner, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. And we're doing some changes. We're going from twelve players to ten players just to make the conversations more beneficial to where if you've been watching, listening to our draft episodes the last few years, you know the last twenty minutes we're just we're just basically reading our scouting reports and Bam, bing, bing, bang, boom, moving on to the next guy, trying to rush to get it in time. Then we also do a draft segment every single year. Last year, we did a redraft of 2020. The year before, we went through all of Dave Gettleman's Carolina classes, and we're doing something similar. We're going through Joe Shane's Buffalo Bills draft classes. So on the Friday episode today, we're going to be looking at the 2018 draft class. So we'll do that before we get into uh, these edge players. And before that, this episode was brought to you by a couple special people. We got Mike... Edwards, he plays safety for the Bucks. Is Mike Edwards still on on the Bucks? I don't know. And then, um, and then uh, Richard Dongerton, Justin. Who mm. are these people? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. That's where these wonderful people went for two dollars a month plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. You get to possibly win a T-shirt twice a month because two times a month, Bobby Skinner does some shirt raffles, including this one. This nice little Eli shirt that I have on right now. Um, and then also, Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets in the mail. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thanks, thanks to our favorite people in the world. No doubt. All right, Justin. Again, we're going to get into the edge uh, uh, after we go through this uh, draft class. So we're going to go through the Bills 2018 draft class, which was the first draft class of Brandon Bean and Joe Shane. You know, they joined... <laughs> After the 2017 draft, even though there's some conspiracy theories that Brandon Bean was involved in the Bills 2017 draft class, Ooh. Um, but you know he he wasn't officially there. But there was some you know conspiracies that him and McDermott were working together, knowing that that was going to happen. So we're going to go through it. And this this draft class is probably their best one. I mean, they knocked this draft out of the park. And it all starts with Justin at pick seven out of round one, Josh Allen, franchise QB. So we don't need to belabor on how good Josh Allen is and how good of a draft uh, that is, but I think we should kind of dive into the trades that got to Josh Allen, Justin. Okay, go right ahead. This wasn't just a single draft day trade. Like they had, they did two trades to get this. You know, they traded pick twelve and pick one eighty seven to the Bengals for pick uh, uh, twenty one, pick one eighty five, and Cordy Glenn. You know, who was an offensive lineman for them. 
So they traded a player who you know played a little bit for them, uh, the twenty first pick, and then essentially they pick they uh, pick swap their six round picks to move up nine spots, and then from there they traded uh, picks twelve, picks fifty three and fifty six for pick seven, and then pick two fifty five to go up and draft Josh Allen. And again, I don't think uh, we're going to be in this situation this year where they're going to get a QB, but it does show. I think. It is. It must be in Joe Shane's mind to want to maybe trade down in this draft and gain draft capital uh, to if if there's a QB they want next year to be able to go up and get him if they're not uh, you know franchise tagging Daniel Jones or you know if Daniel Jones doesn't light it up this year. Yeah, we had that conversation before Bobby, and I was actually surprised at your answer because even if the Giants aren't thinking about what QB one is for 2022, like getting. Th- the most optimal best QB one situation for this year. I think that should always be at the forefront of your mind, at least of how you can do it in the future, even if it doesn't come in 2022. So that does involve like garnering the ammo necessary to possibly, if you need to trade up for 2023's draft. And you said the giant shouldn't be thinking about that right now. How are you, are you still on that? train of the Giants shouldn't be thinking about QB1 for the 2023 draft right now or where where are you on that I mean they should definitely think about it um but I also wouldn't like if Kayvon if if they get a tackle at five and Thibodeau is there at seven I think it makes it a lot harder to trade down which I want to I want to save that question because that's going to be one of the things that we talk about with Kayvon Thibodeau um you know is Kayvon Thibodeau really if there's an offer there at seven is Kayvon Thibodeau worth it to be like, nah, like let's let's get this guy. So we'll we'll talk about that. But yeah, that's that makes me feel good that Joe Shane came from a place that they can do whatever they need to do that's necessary to get their QB one that they believe in, which love that for it. And it didn't seem, at least from the outside looking in, it didn't seem like looking at the rest of their draft classes from twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Um twenty twenty they did not have a first round pick, but that that was was that for Stefan Diggs? It's my yeah. guess. So, yeah. but they had, but they had a first round pick. They had a second round pick and two third rounds in 2019. So it didn't seem to really hurt them in the long haul. Which, if the Giants are going to be trading up eventually for a QB, um, we don't want it to sacrifice future draft investments. And they got Josh Allen right to go back just to picking Josh Allen in particular. Yeah. But again, let's not, you know, do revisionist history. Josh Allen was a a mocked prospect. You know, like you know, draft people mocked people for liking Josh Allen and look how that's turned out. So it goes, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that puts a little, you know, statistical fortitude for Joe Shane to say, you know what? I don't care what other people think. If I believe in my guy, I'm going to, I'm going to go get him. I don't care what, um, you know, the consensus is. I'm going to go and get my guy. So snacks uh, said the words testicular fortitude in the combine. I never thought I would hear you say those words. How about that? All right. Next pick was another first rounder pick 16, Tremaine Edwins, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech, they also traded for this. They traded um, uh, picks 22 and pick 65 for this 16th pick and pick 154. Edmonds is a polarizing figure in, with the Bills right now. Um, you know, I was talking with our guy Anthony from Cover One. He says he's probably like you know between that 12th to 15th range in the NFL as far as like best linebackers. Um, but he does he gets a lot of hate. Uh, from the Bills because it's, it's contract time for him. So he's a polarizing player. I don't view this as a great draft pick because of that. You know, he's, he wasn't that they traded up for him, you know, but he is he is a good player. You know, he's played that will linebacker. He, do, you know, um, doesn't make the flashy plays that you want, but like he does his job well. Um, 
you know, he was, we were talking to him. It's like, you know, his coverage, uh, you know, stats or linebackers are totally misused by PFF because they don't know how to track uh, linebacker coverage snaps. Um, but, like, he is a good player. Like, at pick 16, they got a good player who the question is not like, uh, sh- you know, sh- it, it, the question is, should we pay him or not? Uh, because of the linebackers we have on the roster and the money we have spent in the linebacker position. It's not just we can't pay this guy. Yeah, he's played in 61 games. It's the same amount of games that Josh Allen has played, which I think is every single Two-time game. Two-time Pro Bowler. Two-time Pro Bowler, and he has an AV of 39 when Josh Allen has an AV of 51. So, you know, think of how valuable, you know, that's AV approximate value on pro football reference, which is just a quick way to see. It's like, hey, how how valuable is somebody? You know, what does he actually bring to the table? What has he brought to, you know, each team that he's played on? And Edmonds for the Bills has done a solid job. It's kind of funny how, um, what, is pick 16 the Eagles, Bobby? I don't know. I think I, I, th- I think it is the Eagles. I think they have 16, 17, and 19. So I can easily see them going like Devin Lloyd at 16 and Tremaine Edwards. It's funny, weak side will linebacker, even though Lloyd can probably be like the, your main interior linebacker. Um, it's funny how that's where Edmonds is picked and now that's where Devin Lloyd could be picked around that kind of same area and same spot. And Edmonds has done pretty well for himself, so. Yeah, uh, you got a, a good player, you know, and, and Anthony says he's in like that 12 to 15 range for linebackers. And yeah. This time of year, we fall in love with everyone in the first round. Everyone first round is going to be a baller. That's not the case. Some guys bust out. Some guys are below average to average. And there's some guys who are good and then great. I think Tremaine Edmonds falls in the good range for first. So you can't you can't really complain about that. Now their next pick, you know, they, they lost their second round pick in, um, in those trades for uh, Josh Allen. Round three, pick 96. So late in the third round, they got a defensive tackle, Harrison Phillips, out of Stanford. He just signed with the Vikings for three years, $19.5 million, which is uh, you know good money for a defensive tackle, even though defensive tackle contracts were insane this free agency. Uh, just kind of who he has been. He's, he's an athletic, lighter defensive tackle at six foot three, 307 pounds, who can move pretty well. He's, like, he's got a good athletic profile. I think that's something that's interesting. Okay, now the Bills run a very different defense than what Mink, Wink Martindale's. In fact, polar opposites. But again, you know, wanting to some some lighter, more athletic defensive tackles. Um, he's been a starter for them. Uh, now, he had injuries, like he tore his ACL in, in 2019, uh, and that was the second time he tore that ACL. Uh, but you look at PFF on defensive tackles who had 50% or more uh, snaps. He had he was 13th in the NFL in run stop percentage for defensive tackles, so which is really good. Like he's been a good he he's been he's become a good starter after the first two years being rocky, dealing with injuries and not getting playing time. Like he's been he's been there next to Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips. Yeah, played in 45 games, has an AV of 10. I think he's been around the 45 to 55% snap range for the Bills the last two years. Um, and that's a good point about, you know, when we're looking at revisiting these draft classes and we're going to see, you know, uh, the Bills take guys like Ed Oliver, who's a, you know, a defensive tackle. Um, we're going to see them take A.J. Epineza, who's kind of a, a bigger defensive end and a little bit slower. Um, the differences between, the you know, Leslie Frazier and Wink Martindale. I know Leslie Frazier, they run like a 4-3 base. Wink Martindale is going to run like a 3-4. Um, so what the the type of athletes that these two defenses, I think, are going to require are going to be very different. And I think Joe Shane actually talked about that a little bit um, at the down at the owners' meeting. So I think really with, the, with this exercise, we're looking for like, hey, what kind of are these players successful rather than like types, so to speak. Right. All right. 
and smart, tough, dependable is something that Joe Shane preached. And the more and more I look at these draft classes, the more I think that's like a reality, not just a, a talking point. Round four, pick 121. This is a great pick. Taron Johnson, a cornerback out of Weber State. He, he signed midseason with them. He extended for three years, 24 mil, so $8 million a year. Um, he's been there starting nickel corner the last two seasons after not uh, being that the first two seasons, but developed into that, which is a, which is what you want from your fourth round picks. Like ideally Darnay Holmes doesn't have to come in and start, you know, you let him develop, but um, now he played outside at Weber and then they moved, you know, he had never played nickel. They moved him there. Uh, the thing that th- he's the best at, honestly, he's a great run defender, like a great run defender, physical coming up in it. Um, you know, and obviously does his job as a nickel, as a nickel corner. He's not the, you know, he's not the best coverage in, in the world, but they, he's very smart. They use him in disguised coverages. Um, that interception versus the Ravens uh, in the end zone in the in that divisional series game, that was Taron Johnson with a really well disguised, uh, you know, hybrid defense. Yeah. So, I mean, they resigned this their, their nickel corner for three years, twenty four million dollar deals mid season. Um, you know, the safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, like, love him. They talk about it. They, they call him the best nickel corner in the NFL. Obviously, they're going to be a little bit biased. Like, this was a really successful pick for the fourth round. Absolutely. Has a career AV of 14, 55 games. Pretty darn good. Next on the list, we got a special teamer. But the spe- kind of special teamers we like. Round uh, five, pick 154, Siren Neal out of Jacksonville State. He resigned with uh, with the Bills as well, three years, nine million dollars. Uh, he's their top special teamer, and he's a, he's a big, athletic guy. He had the eleventh most special teams tackles this past season. Um, kind of that cornerback safety hybrid. They played him in big dime, big nickel packages. Um, had some success for his Travis Kelsey, for instance, early in the season um, last season. And and then here's the thing, like, hey, special teams are awesome. Love it. You know, that's that's great. You know, me and you aren't big on special teams talking about guys, but it's like, hey, you know what? I want my special teamers to be able to play football too, not just special teams. Well, the last three years he's played 18%, 11%, and 14% of the snaps on defense. They found a role to use him, a big athletic guy, you know. But uh, to get that type of player out of your fifth round, that's a successful pick. And, again, they re-signed him to three years, nine mil, which is uh, a very similar contract to Keon Cross and – uh, who's like a, a one of the better special teamers in the NFL. So, so far out of the one, two, three, four, five picks that we've talked about, four guys were re-signed to the Bills, and Harrison Phillips got somewhat of a, a decent contract for a defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, he got, uh, you know, six and a half mil per year for a defensive tackle who had injuries and, and didn't start playing much the last two years. Now, this next draft pick is the most interesting one. It's maybe the best value and the most sickening if you're a Bills fan. Yeah. Round five, pick 166. Two-time All-Pro guard out of Virginia Tech, Wyatt Teller, who signed a four-year, $56 million extension with the Browns. They (laughs) traded him after the first year. After the first year, he started seven games. uh, And then they traded him him in a seventh-round pick for a fifth- and sixth-round pick to the Browns. He goes to the Browns. And becomes an all-pro guard. Now, granted, they have uh, Brian Callahan, uh, so I'm sure that helps him a little bit. But he turned into an all-pro guard, two-time all-pro guard, signing that huge uh, extension, you know, uh, you know, 14 mil a year for a guard. Uh, that's got to be sickening for Bills fans that you traded this guy in a seventh for a fifth and a sixth. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that's not good. It's especially when we talk about you know the Bills O-line and 
You know, it's like, oh, well, they're all right. They're, they're, in. they need guard help. Why, Wyatt Teller would have been one of those guys where if he's still on the Bills, we feel like a lot better about their ability to build an offensive line because Wyatt Teller's there. Now, outside zone schemes, Stefanski always seems to either A, it's probably a combination of these things, but A, the Browns just have an eye for offensive line talent, or B, they just know how to run their scheme where they maximize the old line and they have good coaching and they work as one. But neither here nor there, that's a hard pill to swallow that. And you look at Wyatt Teller, he has a career AV of, of 23, which would have been the third best in this ta- in this in this draft class, and a, a, a career AV of 23 from an offensive lineman, by the way, um, when there's five of them on the football field at a given time. Um, played in 51 games, and it's tough. Uh, you know, it's tough to that he's not on the Bills anymore. Brutal. I mean, that's got to be just brutal for Bills fans. Um, and you know what? It's not like he didn't play at all his rookie year. Like he started seven games. I guess he struggled, but still, yeah. guys become a two-time All-Pro guard. Just sickening. We'll finish off the last two quick round six pick one fifty-seven. Ray Ray McLeod. He was, you know, he's on the team. 2018 was waived uh, in 2019 on cut day, and the Panthers claimed him and then cut him midseason. Then was on the Bills practice squad to 2020, and then the Steelers came around and picked him up. The last two years, he's returned 130 kicks and punts for the Steelers, and this past season, he had 39 catches for 277 yards, which would have been third for the Giants on receptions mm. and fifth in receiving yards. Wow. So even their sixth round pick, who they didn't keep has been a, a, a returner for the Steelers and has added, uh, you know, he had the most, as many receptions as Kadarius Tony had for the Giants. I know the Giants had an all-time horrible uh, offense, uh, but still, like, a round six guy turning into that is is pretty nice. Great. That makes me feel great. And then uh, their seventh round pick, isn't he a Giant right now? He's a Giant. Austin Prohl, Ricky Prohl's son. Uh, you know what? A seventh round pick. He stayed around the league for... Over four years now, uh, practice squad guy. But you know what? There's there's something for sticking around. Um, and you know what? Maybe this guy ends up being the best pick in the whole damn draft for the New York Giants. Did he play with Antonio Williams? No. No. Maybe. Ricky Prohl's ne- or uh, Ricky Prohl. Austin Prohl's never played in a regular season game. He's been a practice no. I'm talking about guy. did he play with Ricky? Uh, I'm sorry, not Ricky Williams. Antonio Williams. Um, the because he went to North Carolina too. The Giants running back we interviewed. Um. No, because I think Antonio Williams came transferred from Ohio State after. Ah, shame. Uh, but but shame. possibly, possibly. Um, so that's the. Dra- I mean, that's a ball and draft class, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read my ad before wow. we get into the edge draft preview. How about I that? To read, I wanted to read mine. I wanted you to read your ad uh, mid the edge, so I can get prep for the next player, whoever we're talking about. Got it. Seat Geek. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, people, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, you're stupid. But you know what? You can still use it. If they're a ticketing app, that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the apps on our phones. I use it all t- I, I use it for I'm going to a soccer game on Saturday night, Orlando City Lions, where we're going to beat the living shit out of uh, the LA Football Club. I may go to an Eagles concert in a couple weeks, and I'm going to be using SeatGeek. Whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Gray means good. Red means bad. Yellow means speed up. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Again, don't worry, people. Do not fret. We've got the hookup. Use code Giants for $20 off off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase. With promo code Giants. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. You On a ready? real note, too, SeatGeek is sponsoring all of our 
well, all of your film breakdowns that you do on Talking Football, or really just any, even if you post them on Talking Giants, that's really nice of them. They didn't, like, have to do that. So use promo code Giants, use SeatGeek. If you're, I, I, I swear, if I see that you're at, like, a Yankee game, a Met game, hockey, hockey, and I ask you, did you use SeatGeek, and you say no, I'll punch you in your face. How about that? Pro-violence pod. Culture of violence. We're whipping your ass. Buy the draft hoodie. All right, Justin, you ready for the edge preview? I'm getting, oh, like, yeah. some butterflies. All right. So we're not going to talk about Aiden Hutchinson. That would be very unlikely that he gets to the Giants. Uh, but he is my edge one. But Justin, edge two. And this is the number two guy I want after an offensive tackle. You know, if we had the, if we had the first and second picks, it would be an offensive tackle. It would be Evan Neal. And then this guy, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon, six foot four, two hundred fifty-four pounds, thirty-three and one-eighth inch arms, ran a four-five-eight forty, twenty-seven bench press reps. Stat-wise, uh, you know, the past three years he had seven sacks, nine and a half, or sorry, seven, three, and then uh, nine. Remember, they only played seven games in two thousand twenty due to COVID. Good tackles for uh, lost numbers. Justin, he's a do-it-all pass rusher. He has great get-off that consistently, consistently tests offensive tackles and opens their hips. He uses his hands violently, but he could he could add a little more pop to it now. I think that's somewhere where he can get better is adding more pop to the hands consistently. Um, but they're constantly working and countering, and I think that's what's going to – I think his hands are going to become elite in the NFL. I really do because they're like – they have developed – like that. that's what I thought was the biggest development from his uh, sophomore year to his junior year. Um Obviously, really good ability to dip and bend the edge around the corner. You know, if you watch the film breakdown, I, I went through one rep where he used the ghost technique. Um, when he's working outside in, it's based off power. You know, he, he can get a little better at it, but it's outside in, and then he's ripping through that inside shoulder. He's got that strength to open the gate for an offensive tackles inside. But he just plays mind games with offensive tackles because he can always change his plan of attack. Like, constantly changing his pull, uh, plan of attack. Uh He's got a bull rush. He's you know he can work a bull rush really well. Um, I I actually think he should you know do it a little less, but he works it really well. When he does tacky, he's gonna knock your ass out. He's a powerful hit hitter. Um, sometimes weaknesses. Sometimes I think he struggles to disengage if he doesn't win immediately. And then when he's on the play side of runs, he just kind of needs to have better eyes for the ball of when to disengage because he kind of gets caught up almost wrestling the offensive lineman. But on the backside, he squeezes the gap really well, and he has coverage experience. Justin, I have him as an A-plus player, um, and I need this guy. I need Kayvon Thibodeau to be a giant. Like, we we did our whole Kayvon Thibodeau versus Ahmad Gardner. I was like, it's kind of hard. The more that I thought about it, it's not hard. It's easy Kayvon Thibodeau for me. So, some might say he's a gotta-have-it player. Gotta have it. Coldstone Creamery scale is back, by the way, of how I of how I evaluate draft players. Um, Are you going to yeah. be doing gotta-have-its for six-rounders? Uh, maybe. Cause you know what? So here's the thing with me. Um, and this is, this is a, also a Jermaine Johnson conversation, but here's the thing with me. If I see that a player is projected to be like, Hey, third, fourth rounder, blah, blah, blah. And then I watch him and I like him. I'm going to be kind of like excited. Like, Oh, for, I, I like the value in this player. Um, I'm not smart enough to watch a player and then guess what round he's going to be picked in. However, um, you watch Kayvon Thibodeau and there are some players and these players are typically taken in the, in the top 10, top five of the draft. There's some players where you watch them where it looks like they're playing a different game than everybody else. It looks like they're playing at a different speed. It looks like they're just stronger than everybody else on the football field and they're in the, and they're the best athlete. And that's Kayvon Thibodeau where is it? First of all, 
Thibodeau or Thibodeau? What are we going to... We're going to decide on it right now. Thibodeau. Thibodeau? All right. I got to get used to it. Um... When players do that one-arm stem move, which I see him do that somewhat often too, um, one-arm stem where you have where you have um, I'm guessing if he's on the the right side of the defense, that left arm is stemming out and he's and it's extending, and then the right arm is kind of doing whatever it wants, looking to get free. I think we're both clear, you and I, clear-cut choice if he's there at seven, because um, I think it, what it comes down to for me, PTSD with picking corners. Right, for talking about Sauce Gardner versus Kayvon Thibodeau, the the PTSD I have as a Giants fan of like corners are just so unpredictable, which is not just a Giants fan thing. I think that's just an NFL draft thing. Um, and also the hit rate of edge rushers when you do take them in round one. And I think Kayvon Thibodeau is an easy, easy hit in the NFL. Yeah, and if they go if both those offensive tackles go top four, like I'm taking Kayvon Thibodeau like at five. Mm, you know, okay. and that's where we that's why we're talking about him as sevens because we all we both are in the offensive tackle at five train. Um but I you know, that's where we where we are. It's like yeah, like he's I got much rather taken than Charles Cross, you know, so if he's uh if he's not there. Now there's questions about his effort. I don't see that. But here's what I will say. The some of the like the comments he says, like the, the this con this quote. If I said I go to Alabama, I'm going to win national championships, literally. But do I want to be a guy who's known as a national championship winner, or do I want to be a guy who's known for being a part of the greatest organization? Like talking about Nike at Oregon, like that's a stupid comment. Like he says stupid things, but I don't want to. That doesn't bo- like as long as you're not getting arrested or being a horrible teammate. I, I don't care. Like you can be a me guy. Like me guys work when they're really good. You know, as long as they're not uh, hurting their teammates or, again, getting in trouble off-field. And I don't think Thibodeau has any, like, issues off-field. Um, at least none have been, uh, you know, brought to light. And I, I don't I don't think a guy who's going to be dominating from the edge is going to be a bad teammate. Yeah, so you haven't seen him take plays off on the football field, right? That, no, that's I, not I haven't seen that. You know, there's – some people say, well, on the backside, he's not chasing down plays. It's like, okay, well – they're running stretch to the opposite side. Like you, you squeeze down that gap, which he does. It's like, I just, if he's not sprinting from after a guy who's 15 yards ahead of him on the back, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I don't view that as effort. I view that as kind of like everyday football stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the JPP's 2011s of the world are rare where they're running down plays 40 yards down the field. And I, I don't, I don't expect that from every player. I mean, it's, it's nice when they do it. Like a guy like, Joseph Asai did it last year, but that doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to be an awesome, awesome football player. I'd rather have a guy that can really do his job um, when a play is going to him or when a quarterback drops drops back to pass. Get to the quarterback, affect the quarterback. Brian Dable likes to use that line. Yeah, and do Kayvon your Thibodeau job better that. than anyone else, and he does that better than anyone not named yeah. Aiden Hutchinson in the draft. Yeah, I don't need you to run down guys 40 yards down the field. Um, corners and safeties are down, are down there to do that. Is he worth it not to trade down at seven? Like, if, if we're at seven and it comes out – Five months later, two months later after the draft that the Giants had an offer, and it's legit. It's a legit report. Um, what's your what's your take? I think you do entertain trade talks because of some of these other edge guys we're going to talk about that I do like. Um, you know, Jermaine Johnson, uh, Carl Loftus, Ojabo would have been in that. Um, Trayvon Walker, if he's your flavor. Um, I do because there's other edges here. Um but if they're just like, no, we're getting our guy, like you can't be mad at that. You can't be mad yeah. at them not trading down. If they just if these are clear cut number one edge guy, uh, you can't be mad at them for not trading down. But obviously a trade down does make sense for the Giants. Um 
Like if they if they if they have a chance at one of the offensive tackles and they trade down, then I'd be pissed. With Thibodeau, I wouldn't be pissed, but it's a kind of like a it's really dealer's choice. How much better is he compared to these other guys? So you mentioned Karloftis, you mentioned Johnson. Like there it, there is a tier, right? And how much better do you think that how much better do you think he is? I think Thibodeau's a slam dunk, like top worth a top five pick. I think those other guys aren't worth top five picks. You know, like he has the combination of everything. Where those other guys, they you know, they might lack something. Where like yeah. Thibodeau really doesn't have anything really lacking from his game, or 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 anything that he couldn't like become great at. You know, like he's just co- that constant like change, like being able to change the plan of attack, um, and again having all the tools, the strength, the speed. He's he's got it all. And room to grow, I think, is hands, right? Did you talk about his hands? Like that's the that's the yeah, room just to better grow. better hand fight. Yeah. Um, again, in the run game, I think he can improve a lot. You know, identifying uh, inside moves a little quicker to where it's, you're not having to use your power and rip through guys. You know, so you know easier pass for the quarterback, just things like that. You know, just getting better at the mental game of of an offensive tackle versus an edge matchup in the NFL. Yeah. And those things like you can get better at versus I think bend explosiveness. And athleticism, I don't know how much you can improve that in the NFL. You can always add more weight. You can always get stronger. But at this point, when you're, you know, a, a football player, how much better can you get at bending, being explosive? Right. I, I don't, I don't think that can improve. But Kayvon Thibodeau is already elite in that category, so that's why I would want to invest in the guy that. Hey, if he has to improve a pass rush plan, if he has to improve his hands, coaching can do that, and that's what these coaches are paid for. So, sign me up, Kayvon Thibodeau at seven. Sign me All up. Right. We ready for the next player? Do it. All right. This is a polarizing player, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Six foot five, 270 pounds, 35 and a half inch arms. Woo wee! He's got the best frame out of anybody here. I mean, those arms are freaking, you know, anacondas hanging off uh, off of his shoulders. And then that six foot five, 272. Well, guess what? He's not just big. He dominated the combine. Four five on 40, a 35 and a half inch vertical jump. His six foot a uh, six eight nine three cone drill, which is nuts. Four three two shuttle, which is modest. In thirteen games this past year, he had six sacks, seven and a half tackles for a loss. Didn't produce the two years before that at Georgia. At, he's a speed to power rusher. You know who can line. He he lined up all over for Georgia, um, whether it was outside the tackle, inside the tackle shoulder, and there was times where he even lined up over the center. Like he can line up all over. Uh, experience as a stand up three point stance, four point stance. Um, like his best thing is he fires off with great leverage. Like he fires off with great leverage and hands are quick and violent to get into a player's chest, you know, and work those bull rushes. Like if there's what is his best pass rush move? It's a bull rush. Yeah, it's power. Um, yeah. Think sometimes he can rise through contact. Uh but as far as the pass rusher, he has zero counter moves. Zero. His hand, and and after the bull, uh his hands don't be used. I mean, his hands stay in the chest. They don't work at all. And those are things that can be worked on, but I would like them to be worked on and not just absent. And that they're absent from Trayvon Walker's game. You know, he doesn't know how to deconstruct and shed blocks in the run. Now, again, his feet never stop moving to, you know, push the puck. So he has, like, that ability to move the pocket back, um, even though I do think he needs a little more uh, lower strength, but that will come um, through maturation as a young player. Uh, ability to bend the edge and work outside, are they're de- like, it's decent at best. In the run game, he squeezes the gap down really well, um, starting with leverage again and quick hands and, and sets the edge really well. Um, but I do think even in that, he needs to disengage quicker as the run. I don't view him as a top 10 pick. I don't view him as a top 20 pick. I, th- I view him in that 21 to 35 range. Mm. You know, And again, he has these traits. 
They're, these traits are awesome. But, you know, we'll talk about it with Jermaine Johnson, too, because, you know, the, there's been a comparison. Like, well, Jermaine Johnson did a lot better when he was at FSU compared to Georgia. But when you literally dig deeper, it's like, no, Jermaine Johnson did a lot better than Trayvon Walker. And I know he's a little older. But, you know, it's one thing like, oh, the scheme, the scheme. But he has zero, like, Aziz Ojolari got numbers and used his hands and had counter moves. You know, and I wasn't the highest a guy on Aziz Ojolari either coming on the draft. He just has zero counter moves and his hand usage is horrible. Like, he just doesn't work as a pass rusher. Yeah, and there is a reason why Jermaine Johnson did leave. And, you know, it's kind of the reason why Trayvon Walker partially maybe isn't the most successful. You know, it's because Trayvon Walker isn't really allowed to just get after the quarterback. Um, you know, he rarely ever stood up from, you know, uh, the the outside, outside of the tackle. I mean, so much of what he did was, in, you know, hand in the dirt, um, you know, lining on the inside of the tackle shoulders, and then even, you know, lining up all, all over the place. So, that's where defenders of Trayvon Walker will say where he hasn't been fully allowed to go just get after the quarterback, you know, in that Georgia scheme. Which but also true. everything everything that Bobby did say is is true about not having a counter move and, you know, not using your hands. Georgia doesn't teach you to not use your hands. Trayvon Walker is the epitome of traits over uh, traits over production conversation where that's that's kind of the the way that I'm trying to think about the draft this year and the way that I'm approaching it is all right instead of just looking at a guy's pressures instead of just looking at their QB hits instead of looking at their tackles their stats etc you know there's value to it in some ways but traits over production because every school is different every situation is different for every player but I think part of traits at least for me Bobby and this is with the Trayvon Walker conversation part of traits for me is you got to be a good football player too and I don't think Trayvon Walker is an elite football player yet to be taken in the top 10 I mean he's being talked about as like pick number two right now like I think do it's it, insane please, do it you know yeah like I'm praying that he goes in the top four I really am you know because I take but a where's the line I where's the line want. in like this traits over production conversation well, it's and, not even production you know? it's film like he doesn't put anything on film you know it's like that like you can still do good th- again uh, you watch Jermaine Johnson at Georgia. He was working pass rush moves. He was working outside in. He was using his hands. You know, it got a lot better this past year. Um, and again, there is scheme limitations at Georgia. I understand that. But like, there's not just not like, oh, you can't do anything playing edge or five technique or four eye for Georgia. Like, it's not like people have taken that too far, in my opinion. Yeah, the question that I ask myself, is he a good athlete or is he a good football player? I need to see if you're a good football player, not just a good athlete. And listen, if the argument is him versus Jermaine Johnson and Karloff, this it's fair. But the idea of him going over Thibodeau is insane. That's insane to yeah. me. You know, because like, yeah, you know what? Uh, Thibodeau also has great traits. You know, maybe not as good as Kayvon or uh, you. Ha- you have it written down as Kayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker. Um, Whoops. But you know, like he he's still got really elite traits. You know, so yeah. very quick, um, very quick. Edge or interior defensive line. Because I heard some comps of like Richard Seymour, if the if the Texans take him at three, and you have that Nick Cesario mindset, well, I can see this guy being a Richard Seymour. Uh, what where where do you see? Well, he'll never be in like an interior defensive line. He'll be that hybrid where it's like you line up, you know, right outside the like. Ideally, he ends up in a four three and plays defensive end in a four three. That's ideally. Um, if he's in a three four, I'm putting him. I'm I'm putting him as an edge player. You know, he'll get he'll get reps where he's not playing edge, but he's he'll at the end of the day he's an edge player. Yeah. 
All right, we ready for the next player on the board who, again, has been kind of tied to him because they went to the same school for a little bit? Are you ready Love for him? Love him. Love him. All right, and this guy was a big riser through the season because he transferred from uh, the University of Georgia to FSU, and that's Jermaine Johnson. Six foot five, 254 pounds, 34 inch arms, big, big guy. Uh, did very well at the combine, ran a 4.58, 32-inch vertical. This past season for FSU in 12 games, he had 70 tackles. I don't, I've, you know, we, the, you see 11 and a half sacks, 17 and a half tackles for loss. Those are great, but the tackles are, are just as great too. Those numbers playing from that edge spot. And then in 2020 with Georgia in seven games, he had 16 tackles, five sacks and five tackles for a loss. So before we get into him as a player, uh, actually, actually, no, we'll come back to those stats. Obviously it was the transfer fast and violent in every area of his game. Like that's who Jermaine Johnson is fast and violent, violent and involved at every, every snap. Uh, he's got great get off to just really explode through reps and explode through office alignment. Um, doesn't have the best uh, bend around the edge, you know, but with his get off and strength, he can win around the edge and around the corner because he has that strength to open the gate on tackles. Um, and again, it's not just upper body strength, lower body strength. It's strength in this whole body, and that leads to nasty bull rush reps. Uh, when he is working outside in, it's very quick and efficient for someone his size. Um, his hand, his hand, and you know, there's there's players where it's like he's got good hand pop, but he doesn't have strength in his hands to bull and pull. He's got both. You know, he's got that hand pop to really stun an offensive lineman, but he's got the to to uh, finish the rep to be able to bull, pull, and swim over. And he uses his hands really well. Uh, you know, using counters, you know, sometimes a little slow to get to them, but he does get to them. Um, you know, and again, his his hands work fast, and they screw up offensive line uh, uh, punches in the run game. His ability to disengage is is really really good. Sets a good edge. Can be a little inconsistent, but does set a good edge, and his feet never stop working. And brings the pop uh, the pop as a tackler. And he's got pretty good range too, and he's he's got great effort. Um, this kind of fits what the Bills and Joe Shane have done as edge. Where it's, hey, he's not a bad, but he's, but it's that power. It's that power and strength. So if the Giants are in a trade down situation, which these next two guys, uh, him and Carl Office, like those, those are really guys you look at in trade down situation. But like he's he's a really good player, man, and uh, him him rising up is very much well deserved, and it's not off of a combine. Well, his rise wasn't even throughout the season, Bobby. I mean, his rise has been post Senior Bowl, post Senior Bowl to now. Where before the Senior Bowl. I looked at this guy and he was my first gotta have it player of draft season because you know I, I did I, we all started our draft prep with the senior bowl and senior bowl guys and you know then we've gone forward from there so he was my first gotta have it player then and by at that point he was like around he was a round two guy and then it's like well I think this guy could be taken round one and now there's mock drafts that are taking him at seven um, he may he may be a possibility at seven because uh, I was this this actually kind of made sense to me. Jermaine Johnson got a little comp to Matt Judon, who they're around the same size. I think Johnson's like two inches taller and Judon's like, I think maybe 10 pounds heavier, but go, 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 plays fast, plays hard, plays physical. I'm a sucker for players that are like that. He plays with instincts and patience. He understands the game of football. He's not just one of these guys that go, go, goes. He plays hard when he needs to and balls, you know, balls to the wall, but he also plays with those instincts and patience when he needs to as well. Um, 37 run stops, that's fifth most in the nation. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I like this guy. I, I fell in love with him when he was originally being thought as like this late round one guy. 
but I don't know about he's being mocked at seven, and I don't know how we, how I would fully feel about that. I wouldn't be mad at it because Edge is so important, yeah. um, and I think he's good enough to take him there. You know, if if guys are off the board. So here's um, my next question, though: How much can he improve? So let's you know take let's compare him to like Kayvon Thibodeau here for a hot second, because I think Jermaine Johnson is so like refined as a player. Does his ceiling almost match how we compared like Jedrick Wills versus Andrew Thomas, where that conversation was, well, Andrew Thomas is the most pro-ready uh, tackle in this draft class. And you were like, no, there are things that Andrew Thomas still needs to clean up with his hands, with his footwork, stuff like that. Jedrick Wills is so perfectly technically sound that how much can he actually grow in the NFL? And I think you've actually seen that actually play out in the NFL. Is this kind of a similar conversation, Jermaine Johnson versus a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau? Yeah, uh, you know, when you're compla- when you're comparing him to Thibodeau, absolutely, absolutely, you know, um, and he is a little older, but you know what? Like he's gonna get stronger. He's gonna work his pass rush and moves be- uh, pass rush moves better. He can grow in the run game. Um, so yeah, like yeah, is his ceiling as high as as those guys? No, I don't think his his ceiling may not even be as high as Carl Loftus. You know, because Carl Loftus is very young. You know, a Jabo before the injury, like you know, ceiling wasn't as high, but he's still. Like I think he's I think he's a top ten player like a top ten to fifteen player. Yeah, I'm go I'm really going back and forth on who I like more, Karloftis and it's tough Johnson. that conversation between him, Karloftis, and Ajabo with pre injury is really tough. Like you can make an argument for all of those guys as your third edge, and I guess Trayvon Walker as well too, depending on what you're looking at. I Here's honestly may say Johnson because I think he's just a more well rounded player, including like Karloftis is almost non existent in the run. We're gonna get to him next, but. 37 run stops this year. Um, that's that's legit. He's legit on on both sides with the stopping the run and then also you know getting after the quarterback. Carl Office was also doubled a lot. Um, We're gonna talk about that. So I want to talk about uh, uh, this idea that he didn't produce at Georgia. So he had to run off to FSU. He played seven games in Georgia, for Georgia in 2020. Who was the 2020 sack leader for SEC? For the SEC 2020. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't Chase Young was in the Big Ten. I don't know. Aziz Ojolari. Oh, look at that. Who was second in tackle for losses? My Aziz guess o- is... Uh, Aziz Ojolari. Well, all right. We're going to get to him eventually. In those seven ga- Now, I don't want to take... This is a little bit of cherry picking because Aziz's games were... Like, his big number games were in the games that uh, Johnson wasn't playing. Those three games that Johnson missed versus Cincinnati, uh, Tennessee, and I think Auburn. But in those seven games where they both shared the field... Johnson, 16 tackles, Aziz, 17. Johnson, five sacks, Aziz, three and a half sacks. Johnson, five tackles for a loss, Aziz, four and a half tackles for a loss. So, he had produced a lot more at FSU, but he did produce at Georgia. And he had some, like, you look at uh, Jermaine Johnson versus Evan Neal and uh, Trayvon Walker versus Evan Neal, Jermaine Johnson had more success. Um, so, this isn't comp- uh, comparing the Tiz, but this is more comparing him to Trayvon Walker. Like, the idea that he didn't have success at Georgia to me is false. He just had a lot more success at FSU. Yeah, and what it came down to is he went to Florida State and said, Coach, I want to go out on the edge and I want to get after the quarterback. And he had a shit ton of reps this year. And I think Florida State allowed him to do that versus Georgia. They have their scheme. They have their system. They have 70,000 uh, defensive players are going to be going in the first round this year. So they don't need to really, you know, they have their system that works and it won them a national championship. So Jermaine Johnson had an opportunity to go elsewhere, get a shit ton more reps, get after the quarterback, and it definitely worked out for him. All right, next on this list, George 
Carr Loftus, edge out of Purdue. At one point, was like the consensus third edge, and now he's kind of falling down people's yeah, boards. Yeah, you, you, uh, you took him at seven in one of your mock drafts. Yeah, in the midseason mock draft. Jermaine Johnson I took in a third round, which is crazy how much yep. things change. <laughs> um, six foot four, 266 pounds, big guy, 32 and 5 eighths <clears throat> inch arms. Had like the second best uh, broad jump in the combine, 38 inch vertical jump. He's an explosive player. Um, stat wise, his best stats were actually his freshman year. We had seven and a half uh, sacks and 17 tackles for a loss. Only played two games in 2020, and then this past season had four and a half sacks, 10 tackles for a loss. He's he fires off the ball with good get off uh, every single play, and especially when he's in that three point stance uh, with really good leverage and pad level. Like he's under your pads every single place uh, play, and his first punch is nasty. His first punch will stun offensive linemen. Um, and that speaks to the you know the the broad jump and the vertical uh, the vertical jump. The bull rush is the key to everything uh, he does, and I think that's why uh, maybe people aren't as high as on Karloftis because we love the guys that are going to bend the edge and turn the corner, and Karloftis isn't that guy. Uh, but the but you know what? There's a lot of really like top pass rushers in the NFL who the like you know Max Crosby. The bull rush is the key for Max Crosby. He's not bending the corner. The bull rush is the key, and he does great countering off of it. Really good countering off of it. Powerful hands that just deliver blows and displace offensive linemen. Uh, and again, mul- multiple counters. Um, can be kind of reckless at times, you know, where it's just too herky-jerky. Um, in the run game, he shoots the gap well with with speed and powerful hands uh, and, and does fight off block wells, but he needs more power in the run game besides the initial pop. Because win- he wins the initial pop, but he doesn't he doesn't finish plays you know so he's got to be better at disengaging uh or or setting that edge um but when he does disengage he flips the hips and get gets around blocks really quick and crashes down and uh, has run stops and tackles for a loss so i think that's where his game has the more most room for growth is in the in refining his run defense yeah definitely definitely need needs improvement in the the run game another guy that plays a million miles an hour um, do agree with the reckless take, whereas Jermaine Johnson, I think he can be balanced when he needs to. Uh, but he, he's not even 21 yet, <laughs> which is which yeah, is. Yeah, I didn't crazy. realize he was so young. He's not even 21 yet, and he got he got like the Aiden Hutchinson treatment at Purdue, where there's not a, uh, probably double, it's Aiden Hutchinson, double, George Karloftis, that got the most attention from offensive linemen. I mean, there were times where he's getting double teamed, triple teamed. The Notre Dame game was insane, and yeah. he was still countering and like beating two blocks in one play. Like that game was like you look at probably I don't I don't even know what his numbers in that game but I bet you they're horrible but it's like he's beating like two blocks every single play like they were doubling him like crazy with offensive linemen and tight ends giving running back chip help like he was getting doubled like crazy you know um, I feel like he's been the most disrespected out of this edge group George Karloftis yeah because again so much has changed since these guys have played football right where the games have ended. And the rankings have changed, even though they've put nothing more on tape, right? So, you know, what, what's what's happening? Um, I think some of the, or not even the agility numbers are hurting him. I think him opting out of the combine to do the agility drills hurt him because I think that's what people wanted to see. I think people wanted to see how how agile he was, not just how powerful he is. He plays go, with the go-go-go mentality. He is an explosive player, but I think people wanted to see um, a little bit more, and he opted out of that, which... I think can tell you can tell NFL teams enough. I think he does a solid job bending the edge. I I'm gonna give him a little bit more credit it's than it's with power. 
but it, but it is but it is with power. Um, hand swipe move and he swipes down. Um, yes. th- those are the only things that I want to add. And 14 QB hits the sixth most of the nation d- this year, despite constantly being double teamed and triple teamed. Yeah, like it, it's if we trade down like in the teens, my eyes are going to guy, like a guy like Carl Loftus. Yes, you know I do think he's going to be an eagle. By the way. I think they take him with one of their with one of their three first round picks. You just want all everyone to be a damn eagle. I um, I just think, hey, there's I want Derek Carr to be an eagle now. Um, <laughs> I think he tries too hard to be a speed rusher sometimes. That I want him to utilize power more. That's my that's also another critique. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I, I I feel like he's been the most disrespected out of this edge group, where it's like he's clearly a top, you know, ten to twenty pick. Yeah. Um, and you can, if, if someone tells me he's their third best edge, I'm not arguing. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. No, I'm I agree. Not. Where yeah. if you say Trayvon Walker is, I'll tell you you're wrong. Um, and, and you know, it's part of me wants to put him there because he is 20 years old. Um, you know, but it's, it's not having that, like that great speed around the corner worries you a little bit, but he's, again, he's not slow either. Um, all right, next on the list, this is an interesting, we weren't going to put him on here, but we decided to last second because I think there's an interesting conversation around him. It's David Ajabo, edge out of Michigan, very new to the game of football. He's six foot four, 250, 33 and a half inch arms, tore his Achilles, tore his Achilles at his pro day, which is really does suck. Um, because he was in the edge three conversation uh, as well. Uh, he had 11 sacks, 12 tackles for loss, which was essentially like the same numbers as, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, you know, his 40 time was really good at four, uh, four, five, five, a good vertical. He was a very raw player. And again, he didn't start football until he was a junior in high school with really good get off. Um, sometimes would have bad reps with his first step, but like, that's something that's teachable, getting that first step down better. Um, you know, but like, and again, there was plays where he would lose the pass rush rep, but I thought that was just more rawness on the first step. Um, and for someone that was raw as him, he had multiple pass rows moves. Like, he weren't the spin, rip, bull, like, bend the corner. Like, he worked multiple things and was countering and rep. He'd attack the outside shoulder really well to open the offensive tackle's hips and bend the edge. You know, very active hands for a, a player who was uh, raw. Um, now, he needed more violence and more strength to his game. Uh, you know, like, his spin move, it, it could be deadly, but it needs to be quicker. And, you know, there's times where it was just very slow. And, but that and stuff can get better. I mean, that's also the thing, too, where you where you, if you compare, again, like Trayvon Walker, you know, everything like that. David Ajabo, pre-injury-wise, you know, well, I don't, I'm not a doctor with the torn Achilles, but you can always get stronger. You can get, but you are going to get bigger and stronger in the in the NFL. So that that's the thing where if I'm looking at a guy, whether it's an interior linebacker, edge, interior defensive line, whatever, like I'd I'd rather bet on a guy who it's like, all right, well, if you play fast, if you're an athlete, but you need to get stronger, all right, then let's invest in that rather than a guy who's slow and maybe won't increase their athleticism as, as time goes on. Let's just get right to it. Pick thirty four. Would you be willing to take a David Ojabo? No, I wouldn't. Um, if the Giants do, then I guess they feel really, really good about medicals. But number one, um, Justin Pennock, and I do not work for the Giants. I do not have access to those medicals, and I don't feel like take. I don't feel like taking the risk. I'd rather just hey, there's plenty of other talent there at uh, you know, it, that's going to be early in the second round. And uh, honestly. A little bit more excited for like how many players are available in the second round for the Giants versus I'm anxious about picks five and seven. So, no David Ajabo. I think it's tough, man. But at the end of the day, it's a torn Achilles, so he's going to miss this season. He probably won't be himself the second season, and he's already a raw player. 
that I lean no. It's tough though. Like I go back and forth because you can get, you know, a great player in the second round, you know, and you don't really find those great players in the edge in the second round. We're going to talk about it when we talk about Ibiketti and, and, and Mafe, who are viewed as like top of the second round guys. You don't find those guys. And I think Ajabo can be that and will be that. You know, like, but you're also drafting him for the athlete that he is, and you don't know the kind of athlete that he's going to be post torn Achilles. Yeah, and that's why I say no. You know, if you can, if you guaranteed me that, like, hey, I know that if like half, if halfway through his second year he just really took off, I would say yes. But it's like you don't know in this, you know, in this draft, in the draft process, that's already a lot of unknowns and guessing. Um, and there's so many also, holes, and the giant, the Giants aren't in a position to take a gamble like that. But I know? can also see it being. You know, 2024, and it's like, can you believe that Ajabo fell to 40 or whatever and ended up with this team, you know, um, where, you know, we got, you know, an average edge rusher or, you know, a, a really good linebacker, you yep. know, and Ajabo turns into a game changing player who you resign, and it's not about two years on a rookie deal. So um, I do think it's a, it's a pretty tough decision, but because eventually he's got to go pick somewhere, right? And I don't yep. think it's going to be past the second round. You know, someone's going to have to pick him and take that risk, and I think they're going to get a, uh, you know, when healthy, a really good player. Yeah. All right. Let me read an ad. We ad, ad read quick, and then we'll get to, to some more, one more second round or two more second round guys. And then some other uh, value picks later in the draft. College basketball fans join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets. If they do, it's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long, and I guess we're going in April too, at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? Who will hit the most three-pointers? And then track your results. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's talk about not the first round, which is actually what I enjoy the most about the draft process. Everyone's got their freaking opinions on the first round. You make your money on day two and day three. Some guy view some people view this guy as a first rounder. I did a breakdown on him. Check it out. I did a breakdown on Ajabo too. Um, and ca- check out all the damn breakdowns. How about that? Arnold Ebiketti, edge out of Penn State. Your Nittany Lions, six foot two, two hundred fifty pounds, thirty four uh, one eighth inch arms, very long arms, a thirty eight inch vertical jump, twenty one bench press reps. Uh, he was a transfer from Temple in this past season for Penn State. He had sixty two tackles, nine and a half sacks, and eighteen tackles for a loss. I do view him as the best edge after. That, that uh, cluster of guys we talked about. Really good get off the line of scrimmage. And he's going to test offensive tackles consistently. He loves working outside in. He really works outside in with great lateral ability. And his hands are fast and violent. They're not necessarily powerful, but they're fast and violent. Um, and his his inside move is what sets it up. Like he's re- able to work laterally really well. And then you know what? Then uh, offensive tackles are not uh, able to set deeper. And that means he's giving uh, more ability to bend the edge. Um, it sets them up for bull rushes when tackles are on their heels, you know, and you know, they're, they're like, all right, do I got to protect inside? Got to protect the corner. Guess what? Now my chest is exposed and dude's going, he's pushing me back in the pocket. Um, and, it, and he's got long arms that keep offensive linemen out of his chest, which is really beneficial to him. And he uses them well. Uh, once he's, he's locked on with guys in that full man relationship, 
uh, he sucks. But one, but if he's in the half man relationship where you know can explain that it's like full, like if you're if he's just head face to face, that's where he struggles. But if he's got you know if it's like kind of left shoulder versus uh, you know right shoulder versus the other person's right shoulder, you know where it's like that half man relationship, like he kills it in there. Um, in the run game, uh, doesn't really lose much ground setting the edge, but he never really like brings the pop to have nice stalemates. But he does shed run blocks. Um, but a little late in his pursuit isn't amazing. But his his run wins, just like his pass rush, comes from speed and penetrating gaps. Like he's really good in that. And I think out of this next chunk of guys, I think Ebiketti's the top. Yeah, the Giants have had their eye on some Penn State edge rushers in the past. And then obviously Wink Martindale with uh, Jason Away, which that isn't his name anymore, but I don't know what his new name is. Um, he had more production than a lot of his past Penn State teammates, including Jason Away. Um I like E.B. Katie because I think he can fit with Wink, what Wink does, which is simply, hey, you know, your job isn't going to always be getting a sack, but hey, I can see this. I could see E.B. Katie being a guy in Wink Martindale's scheme where you're going to compile a lot of pressures. You're going to shoot this gap and you're going to go fast and you're going to, you you got to get off that ball. I know his reaction off the ball is a little slow. Like Kayvon Thibodeau can jump the snap. And that's like a skill that he has. Um, maybe Katie needs to time that snap a little bit better. But when he gets going, like especially when he when he's shooting inside, um, he's gonna fill that gap. He's gonna fill it well, and he's gonna you know cause a problem for offensive linemen. So I think that's where he can kind of fit best in Wink Martindale's system. And fun fact, this was the first player that I looked at to start this draft season. Might have been mine too. Like I I, I put the dates on all my grades, and I had him in January. Um, yeah, I think I I think January second. Actually, no, Linderbaum was probably the first one I did. Um, so yeah, so I mean, round two, pick thirty six. Or is he at like the the top? He's near the top. Obviously, uh, you know, haven't finished everybody yet. You know, we're kind of I'm kind of just starting some of my process. But Eb Katie is on the list along with a guy like Leo Chanel. Um, that's there in round two. Like guys that I would be very very interested in picking, especially if we walk away from round one without an edge rusher. Um, I'm very, very interested in EB Katie as a fact that, Hey, you know, Hey, just get this athlete in here, shoot that gap, uh, fill that role in wake Martindale system. Now here's why I think it's so important to get an edge in the first round in this draft. Uh, so I do think there is a big gap between these guys and EB Katie. And I think if you, if you have pick 36, ideally you want, there's someone there that you would have wanted if you were picking in the end of the first round, you know, that you valued more than the, you know, the last 18 uh, guys picking like Xavier McKinney was for the giants a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Will Hernandez, rest in peace. Uh, um, and I don't know if EB Katie is that for me. And that's why I think it's so important, whether it's at pick seven or trading down. And I think there's cornerbacks I do like at pick 36. Or like you said, Leo Chanel. There's just other guys that I I just view as better overall. If we're going best player available, that will probably be there that's better than yeah. Abiketti. Yeah, and I, and I think... Like he's a, come- he'd be a fine pick at 36, don't get me wrong. But I think there's probably going to be better players on the board. When you combine the fact that corners are inconsistent, but I do think cornerback has more depth in this class than edge rusher even though i i like all these edge rushers that we're going to finish talking about there's even edge rushers that we didn't even put on here that i like i like a lot of these edge rushers but you want if you're going to put that expectation on an edge rusher especially if you're going to put him next to aziz you kind of want that guy to be an alpha arnold dbkd if he's across aziz Ojolari, is not going to be an alpha he's not 
Right. Yeah, and I think he'd, I think he'd do really. I think he's a great fit for Wink Martindale, but I don't know if he's if he's that alpha. Yeah, but somebody uh, still needs to get like Matt Judon. You know, he, even though it's like, ah, oh, well, Wink Martindale doesn't really need a ten plus sack. I know, but Matt Judon still did a great job of for years getting like 25, 30 QB hits plus every single year. Somebody needs to get the pressure. Somebody needs to get the QB hits. Somebody needs to disrupt the quarterback. It's not just like a group of guys. Like, all right, everybody's just contributing. Somebody also needs to get back there. So, and I, I worry about the outside in guys too. Because it's like you don't get the freestyle as much in the NFL with that. Like it's yeah. a lot more playing contained, especially with the way QBs are now. Yeah. All right. I when you went to go drink a drink of water, and I had to stop myself from sneezing, mm. so we almost had some bad silence. timing. Next on the list, this is actually a guy I took in the third round in my uh, most recent mock draft. Boye Mafe, edge out of Minnesota, six foot four, two hundred sixty one pounds. We had a four five three forty thirty eight inch vertical jump this past year for Minnesota. He had seven sacks. 10 tackles for loss, mid-numbers the two years before that. Really quick get-off. He's going to challenge you. Every, he's going to challenge the edge every single rep, you know. So if, if you are talking about Ebiketti versus Moffitt, Moffitt's going to challenge the edge, every, like, much better than Ebiketti in every single rep. Um, and he's got quick hands that just flat out never, never stop working. Um, the thing is, they're more finesse, and he needs to add more strength and pop to them. Like, Ebiketti's got more pop to his hands. Um, and I think he needs more strength just in general. Yeah. Um, and again, he's going to challenge the offensive tackle every rep, but I, I think he's got good, not great bend around the edge. Good end, but again, there's a reason why we're not talking about this guy as a first rounder. Good agility to get flat down the line. And again, he can work outside in well, too. You know, he's not at uh, Ebiketti's level, but he can work outside in. I think he's going to struggle setting a consistent edge. I really do. I think he's going to have some struggles in the run game. Um, you know, he's got a good frame, but I, I just see there's going to be struggles there. He's got coverage experience. This is if we have like a mid second round pick, I'm like a little I'm a lot higher on Mafe. Yeah, EBKD's is a love it player for me, and Mafe is a like it player. I did did my work on him before the senior bowl. He flashed at the senior bowl at times, which actually got me a little bit more excited about him versus before. The get off and the athleticism is the best part of his game. Four of his seven sacks came against Colorado and Bowling Green. Four out of the ten tackles for loss came uh as well in those in those two games. Doesn't seem to have a bunch of different moves. You know, this is this is a guy where, yeah, I I guess he's being you know mocked in that round two area. I, I'm not I'm not thrilled about Boy Mafe. I, I would rather if we're gonna take an edge after round one, I'd rather invest in a guy like a, a Sam Williams, Josh Pascal, um, Cam Thomas, some of these other guys we're gonna talk about. Mafe's got some first round hype, and again, I agree with you. Like where I'm not I'm not too thrilled if he's the pick at pick 36 um, yeah, but no. he, he but he is someone who would fit what wink martindale wants to do and he's going to test offensive tackles every single rep you know and that especially in a blitzing scheme that brings a lot of value you know because that's all right we got we got to put our tackle in more vertical sets on the edge which puts more pressure on on the guys on the inside so um i do think he would fit well and i think he's got room to grow you know he, he needs he needs to add strength you know and some strength could really help him um but again i'm not I'm not in full bloom love with Mafe. But invest in the athlete. This is a guy where invest invest in traits. And if you want to invest in the athlete, and again, coaching can coach this guy up. You can always get stronger in the NFL. Mafe fits that. But watching him, I just wasn't like I wasn't thrilled. So we're going a little late, but we're still gonna get through all this and we're gonna take our time. Next on the list, Cam Thomas, Edge slash D lineman out of San Diego State, six foot four, two hundred sixty seven pounds. 32 and a half inch arms this past year for San Diego State. He had 10 and a half sacks, 20 and a half tackles for a loss. Really good numbers. 
Um, had solid numbers the years before, but not the big stack numbers. He's a relentless pass rusher. He lines up all over the field. You know, he is a he is a hand in the dirt guy, and I don't think he's ever going to be a stand up edge. Um, but you can't put him, you know, out on the edge. You know, just not standing up really. And again, I'm sure he can adapt and get a, a better. His his get off is good, but he's he's not going to stress offensive tackles around the edge like a Mafe guy does. Really good lateral ability for his size. You know, working outside in like he, he and getting down the line, he does really well, and, and it makes for some really nice run stops. Uh, fast, active hands with multiple pass rush moves. He's just a really good football player at this position. Yes. I think he'd be a great like fit for Wink Martindale. Like he may not have the best traits, but he's a really good football player. You know, he, he doesn't bend. Um, sometimes he can get a little off balance. Um, you know, because he's just so like balls to the wall. You know, he, he's pretty good in the run. You know, he's not the best edge setter. He's not dominating the edge because he's kind of more looking to make plays and set that edge. Um, but his hands are active, and they and he disengages and delivers a pop. Like, that's the thing. In the run game, he disengages. You know, it may not be a beautiful rep. He may not just, you know, you know dominate an offensive tackle and push him back and, you know, squeeze the gap down. But he's going to disengage and make plays like that. You know, he's going to have those one-yard gains, two-yard gains, tackles for a loss by... You know, engaging an offensive tackle, not giving up ground, and then using his hands to disengage. I just feel like he's a player Wink Martindale would really like. Um, you know, and and he's strong, but if he added more pop to his hands, it could do wonders. It could really turn him to a like he can an get awesome stronger. player. He yeah. can get stronger. And if um, he and if the way he plays, and if he does add more strength and just pop to those hands on that initial punch, which I think I can see him doing at that frame, it can really take his game to the next level. He kind of has a frame now. This uh, now I could be falling victim of the the number curse here. He kind of has a frame because he wears number ninety nine. He kind of has like this three four defensive end frame. Him and like Drake Jackson have like that three four defensive end frame, but they don't weigh like a like a defensive end. Does that make sense? Yes. When I say that, um, so, but I like Cam Thomas a lot better than Drake Jackson. I know you talked about Drake Jackson with Nick Filato on yeah, the Yeah, I like Cam Thomas way more than I like Drake Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I do. And I, again, I'm a sucker for guys that play go, 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 and they play violent. Like, violent football players, something that I wish that I was when I played football. I like I will I will enjoy a Joseph Asai 10 out of 10 more than I will, like, a polished, like, hey, tr- uh, first-round po- prospect. I, I just will. I'll, I'll enjoy that guy a lot more. Um, positional versatility with playing inside and outside. Uh, led the nation in QB hits this year. Again, you know, when you come from San Diego State, you're probably playing less competition, but he did um, lead the nation. He was a love-it player for me. And it sucked that he left the Senior Bowl early. I think he got hurt like the first day of practice. And I was like looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? Well, he got hurt. So he's a love it player for me that had the potential to be got to have it if I saw him in person. But didn't happen. But I really, really do like Cam Thomas. And I think, again, as an at like just if Wink is looking for athletes that can shoot gaps and play tough and play physical, I think Cam Thomas can really fit that bill. What's the Joe Sand line? Smart, tough, tough dependable. dependable. Or whatever he he fits that. Now a guy who may not fit the dependable is the next guy, Sam Williams, edge out of Ole Miss, six foot four, two hundred sixty one pounds, thirty three uh, and one eighth inch arms, ran a four four six in the forty, four four six in the SEC, and an Ole Miss team that had uh, a, played a three man front. He had twelve and a half sacks and fifteen tackles for a loss. Speed, speed, speed in all areas of his games. He embarrassed Charles Cross like five times. I mean, just amazing get-off that is constantly stressing offensive alignment and opening up their hips. His lateral ability is amazing, and he likes to work inside a lot. And 
he he's a player who's not like oh, I want to work the inside move. He's a player that like I got this tackle tackle scared to death of my speed, and it's just easy to go inside. And he did that again to Charles Cross. Um, really bends the edge and gets flat quick. There was many reps where he was bending the edge at five yards, which you can't say for a lot of guys, and especially in the SEC. His feet never stopped churning through contact. He's got some pop to his hands, but again, he, he lacks strength in his legs to really drive through guys. But he has bull rushes because he has guys on – he has talk, tackles on skates. Yes. Um, he needs to add some pass rush moves. His hand usage is bad. Like, he relies on speed, speed, speed. Um, and again, he doesn't have the strength when he does work outside in, and it's not just a clean win. He doesn't have the strength to open, you know, open that inside shoulder of the tackle. Um, but and he can get pushed around in the run, but I don't think he's as bad as a run defender. He's a make good. Him out. He's a good run defender. He, he's yeah. he's not bad. For, but once for guys s- get his hands on him, like. Like you, he's also a guy that you could like. All right, we're gonna double team him, move his ass down the line to the linebacker, and run at him. But he does make a good, lot of good plays in the run. Well, has that relative athletic score that I talked about of nine point five three. Um, I do consider him to be a love it player. He does have OTF off the field issues. I said to myself, don't say the acronym because you'll sound pretentious. I said it anyway. Um, rip and dip around the edge, uh, like Bobby says, jetting inside, kind of starting guys on the outside, then jetting inside. Um, that that's that's very apparent too. I do think he wins in multiple ways with speed, power, and hands. You know, again, I'm gonna kind of side with you with with some technique stuff, but this is a guy that's go go go. I was expecting to watch him, and you know, seeing how kind of long he was, and he looks very light. Um, I don't think he he's 261 pounds. I I think he looks lighter, but he plays. Plays the run. He's lighter in the legs. Yeah, he's he's lighter in the legs, but he he doesn't play the run bad. Like he's uh, Nick Benito, for example. I like Sam Williams more than Nick Benito, and I By and far. I take that I take that especially. Oh, good. I'm glad you agree. Now Sam Williams could be a third, fourth round pick, maybe because of off the field issues. But Nick Benito is probably going to be taken in round two. But I like Sam Williams better, and Benito's way worse much, in the run than better. Sam Williams is. Much better. Um, and and Sam Williams is a better pass rusher than Benito too. Yeah. Um. I think he's just a much better player overall. Um, off I was the surprised. field stuff. Yeah, off the field. So, I don't know if this person would mind me sharing their name, so I won't. Um, but he's an old Miss alum, and he, he works uh, for the police department down there. So, he was arrested for sexual battery. I'm just going to read you what he told me. Uh, you know, very, very aware of the Sam Williams stuff. We've dealt with him a lot. We've arrested him like five times, misdemeanor stuff. The case from the article, the sexual battery, he shared with... Uh, he shared... We worked. The girl didn't show up to court, if you know what I mean. Um, that being said, he had a kid a little over a year ago and hasn't gotten in trouble with the law or team since then and obviously had his best season. It's a big game, a gamble to take him, but if he stays out of trouble, he's going to be a stud. Justin, he's going to be a damn Dallas Cowboy. I just know it. Oh, yeah. I just know Sam Williams is going to be a Cowboy. He, Dan Quinn will let him freestyle as a rusher, and he has troubles with the law. Like He's a guaranteed <laughs> Dallas Cowboy. Supposedly, they have good, a lot of interest in him, too. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, really, really, again, love it player, but when I heard the off-the-field stuff, I was like, yeah, probably not a giant. But we, we probably shouldn't to... have talked about him, but I, there's too mu- I like his play too much. To no, know. no, we're, and we're at a point in the show where we're going to talk about guys that we like that are good value. Um, you know, odds are we're going to be wrong on all these guys in terms of trying to predict somebody to be a giant, maybe outside of five and seven. We're going to be wrong on everything else. So we're going to tell you guys that we like. Um, I had another thing I wanted to say. And I forgot. Bummer. Well, that's my cue to move on to the next guy then. Yep. Who is very, very fast. 
Um, and this player at the Senior Bowl was a guy who I was like, in my head, I was like, man, who's this guy? Fill in the blank. He's we both and, we both and, turned to each other. And then Justin goes to me he's like like uh, like you know thirty minutes later and was like, "Who is this guy? Like he is balling." And that's D'Angelo Malone, edge out of Western Kentucky, six foot three, two hundred forty three pounds, thirty three and one eighth inch arms. I'm gonna read you his stats in 2021. Ninety four tackles, eight sacks, seventeen and a half tackles for a loss. 2020, 71 tackles, six sacks, ten and a half tackles for a loss. 2019. 99 tackles, 11 sacks, 20 and a half tackles for a loss. 2018, six sacks, nine tackles for a loss. Now he's a super senior. You know they had the, you know the rule where you could come back for a, another year because of the COVID year in the NCAA. So he is a super senior and will be 23 at the start of the season. Um, but he's just a baller, man. And I know he's kind of slight of frame and and he's he's not the strongest. But you just watch him and he just play in play out making plays. You know, and at Western Kentucky, he got a lot of attention with double teams and chip blockers. But he is fast, 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 and he accelerates like you don't see guys do, man. He slipped through. He slips through blocks really well with great bend and agility. Uses a variety of pass rush moves, um, quick and efficient hands that just keep punches off him. I mean, he just. He's just a tireless, effortless worker. You know, in the run game, he's chasing plays like like he closes the gap. That's speed to close the gap on a player. Just chase, like I can't believe he made this tackle. I can't believe he made this tackle. He might just be like the fastest football player at the edge position this draft. Like that's how fast this cat is. Um, not, but he's not a great edge setter. But he doesn't get dominated for what his size is in the run. And he sheds guys. He disengages, and that's why he has. Um, you know, over the last four years, he has twenty seven. Uh, 47, 56, you know, 57 tackles for a loss because he just sheds guys, uh, squeezes the backside of runs, and again, makes those insane backside pursuit plays. Um, and his hips are really loose. He gets flat in a hurry. Like, just watch him. It's like this, it's like watching a maniac, you know, and there's, <laughs> there's guys who are rated higher than him at the senior bowl who were getting beat by guys like Max Mitchell. And it's like, I don't care how great Max Mitchell's technique is, he can't hang with D'Angelo Malone like he was a baller at the senior bowl and you watch his film and he looks he does it too and you watch him against teams like Louisville not a good team but you know an FCS school uh and and he just or not FCC yeah, a big a power five school and he just balls yeah you got to take the stats with the with the grain of salt and that's why the senior bowl was so important for him because that was one of the first times that he was going up against really really talented uh offensive lineman and he was with the second group which is a lot of the sec linemen right yes yeah so he wasn't with the first group with you know a lot of the smaller schools were were in that first group i know the zion johnson's the world the cole stranges uh trevor penning was in that first group second group had a lot more bigger schools uh in the senior bowl and that's where d'angelo malone was practicing every week and if he was going full speed i mean good luck and this is just him in general if he's going full speed good luck (laughs) <laughs> good, good luck trying to good luck trying to stop him and he was the best athlete on the football field um, with talented offensive linemen around him at the senior bowl and I agree with the with the rest of what Bobby has to say especially he plays players. like a lunatic like he it's, does it's yep. nuts to watch him play like he's so fun to play so again you know? if this is a guy that you could possibly take in rounds four and five versus you know again like a Nick Benito in round two a boy Mafe in round two uh, a guy that we did not talk about, and we talked about him. We did not talk about him for good reason. Kingsley on Anagbare, like you know, I do not want you know, especially Anagbare. Like I would rather have a guy like D'Angelo Malone who can get bigger, who can get stronger, but is an insane. He is athlete. a super senior, though. He's a, so okay. So what does that have to? Twenty three. Okay, I could, I could kind of care less about a guy's 
age. You know but he's not I mean? going to get bigger and much stronger, though. He can, he can get... He could add weight. That's my point. Yeah. He can add weight. And it's like, how much speed are you sacrificing for that? Um, right. But if we're, again, if we're talking about rounds four and five, it's it's rare that these edge rushers are going to hit, even outside oh, yeah. of round one. But if we're talking round four and round five versus a Nick Benito, a, a Kingsley Anagbare, Boy Mafe in round two, I would rather have a D'Angelo Malone in round four or five versus one of those guys in round two. That's the point. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that, so... All right, that's our first draft preview episode. Went a little, a lot along, but you know well, that's what? every year. Every year it goes a lot along, the first episode. Uh, um, so we appreciate you. We're going to be doing something for the first time we've ever done on Tuesday. We're previewing QBs. We're going to do four QBs and then six defensive linemen. Um, we know the gen- – we just – we figured we forced ourselves to do the homework just in case there is like a, you know – uh, a shocker like oh my god they took a qb even if it's like in the second round so we're gonna do our we're gonna do malik willis kenny pickett um what other two do you want to do we kenny pickett uh Desmond i think we Ritter. should i think we should do sam sam howell yeah i guess and so. corral so, did we say corral oh matt matt corral um and then so either desmond ritter or or sam howell we'll see i think we should one. do Howell because the giants were at his pro day so all right, we appreciate you guys. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday for that. Um, and we're going to talk about some D-linemen that we really like. Um, so we appreciate you guys. See you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>